Welcome to The Spartan Life, where we explore what it means to be a part of the Southern Lehigh family. And we attempt to cover all of the sweet, sweet goodness that is Southern Lehigh High School in 30 minutes or less. From first-hand coverage of exciting experiences, to intimate discussions with some of your favorite teachers, to inspirational interviews with diverse students on unique journeys. That's right, great students accomplishing great feats. We'll do our best to hit all of the highlights. But inevitably, we will fail. Because there's so much to celebrate, we're afraid your brains would simply melt if we tried to cover it all. We're your hosts. I'm Mr. Castagna. And I'm Mr. Howe. Join us as we venture into the heart of Southern Lehigh High School, one interaction at a time, on The The Spartan Spartan Life. Mr. Castagna here on an in-service day. So that means I'm working and the majority of our listeners who are students are home, snuggled, nice and cozy in their beds. Well, I hope you're all enjoying yourselves. I'm flying solo on these little segments today because Mr. Halp got dragged into a curriculum meeting all day. So I guess as far as things go, I kind of lucked out. They let us do half the work from home and we didn't have to come in till 1230. I had so much time this morning, I didn't know what to do with myself. Got up nice and early, I exercised, made a big breakfast for my family, watched a couple episodes of the Goldbergs with my daughter, then we studied some spelling words one or two extra times, I got her on the bus, off to school, and then I was able to go get a haircut at 10 o'clock in the morning. It was fantastic. Then I ate a poke bowl for lunch. You guys ever try those? Pretty awesome. Uh, I got my work done. I got about 30 minutes left to try to get some schoolwork done. And I thought the best thing I could focus on would be to put the podcast together so we can maybe get it out this week. So very quickly, we had a trivia question last episode. Did have one or two responses. Nobody could get the right answer. The one Jewish celebrity on that list of multiple choice answers who is never mentioned in any version of the Hanukkah song is Sean Penn. And yes, actor Sean Penn is Jewish. He is Jewish on his maternal grandmother's side, if I am not mistaken. And Adam Sandler does not mention him once in either version one, two, or three of the Hanukkah song. Moving on to this episode's trivia question. If you recall, our most recent episode was our Festivus Spectacular that we released just before the holiday break. Those of you who listened to that episode, you might recall we did several comedy bits that focused on Mr. Castagna embarrassing himself on his journey to become the fittest English teacher on earth. So it turns out I am not the fittest English teacher on earth, but I do want to give a shout out and a thank you to my colleagues in the English department who were very generous with their time uh, and, shall we say, enthusiasm. They really came prepared to give great performances in those bits. So thank you, Mrs. Bauscher. Thank you, Mr. Fay. And thank you, Mr. Hershey. Mr. Hershey brings us to the trivia question. If you go back and listen to that Festivus episode, or maybe you simply recall the bit that Mr. Hershey was in where we played ping pong, all of Mr. Hershey's lines were taken from one movie. The question is this. What 1985 film did all of Mr. Hershey's dialogue in our previous episode come from? If you know the answer, hit us up at slspartanlife at slsd.org. If Mr. Haup were here, he'd tell you also, don't forget to follow us on social media at slspartanlife. Moving things right along, the biggest news item we've had so far was last week's two-hour delay schedule. Not the one because of the weather, but the one we had planned for graduation projects. 
Mr. Halp went out and played man on the street, talking to students as they came in and prepared to give their presentations, talking to other students as they emerged from the classrooms having given their presentations, and he even talked to some teachers who evaluated graduation project presentations. He put that all together in a segment we call Help on the Street. Enjoy. Hi, my name is Raul Chaturina. How uh, nervous were you before you did your CTA presentation? Uh, I was pretty nervous, especially going in the room, but the teachers were nice and I wasn't as nervous during it. Very good, thank you. Hi, my name is Sarah Pasila. Hi, Sarah. I know you're on your way to your presentation right now. Are you nervous at all? Yes, a little bit. And, and why are you so nervous? Because um, I want to do good. I'm scared. I want to pass the class. I'm sure you'll do great, Sarah. Thank, Thank you. you. Hi, my name is Jackson McKee. Hi, Jackson. And I heard you just tell another student that it went well for you in your presentation? Yes, it went very well. So you were a little nervous before you did it? Yeah, I was, I was very nervous. But as it progressed, it got more and more easier. Excellent. And what was your most meaningful job shadow that you did for this project? Um, I job shadow Ambassador Financial. So it was a business and they help banks. They basically just help banks a little more locally. Okay, great. Thanks, Jackson. Yeah, thank you. Hi, I'm William Corvino, and I am a 10th grader who just, did, who just did the presentation for my graduation project. Very good, Will. Tell me, what career do you hope to go into? Uh, aerospace engineering. Excellent. A rocket science right here. And um, who did you shadow in order for you to complete the requirements of your CTA project? So I job shadowed Chris Trueblood at Assurance Software. He is a software engineer. And I job shadowed Tobias Rossman at Lafayette College. He's an assistant professor of aerospace and uh, aerospace, not, mechanical engineering. And, and your presentation went well? Yeah, it went very well. I didn't stutter at all, which was shocking. Very good. So now what are you going to do with the rest of your time until school starts? Probably read my English book a couple more times to prepare for the quiz. Very good. Enjoy. So I'm here with three students right now. Hi, my name is Ava Askelis. Hi, I'm Emma Hobby. Hello, my name is Luca Prando. So how'd it go for all three of you? I didn't go yet. Oh, so you're getting ready to go. Yeah. <laughs> Are you nervous? Yeah, kind of. Like, I feel like I'm going to say like and um a lot. I'm sure you'll do fine. You went already, though, Emma. Yeah, I did. And how'd it go? It went pretty good. What was your most meaningful job shadow that you did? I uh, job shadowed a plastic surgeon, so it was really fun. And what career do you want to go into? Uh, I would like to be a sports marketer in the future. Did you get to interview someone in that particular field? Uh, unfortunately, no. Ah, uh, bummer. Okay. Yeah. So who did you job shadow? Uh, I job shadowed two CEOs of their own companies. One was a oil tanker broker firm and the other one was a restoration company. And did you enjoy those job shadows? Yes, I enjoyed them a lot. Okay, very good. Thank you. I am currently right now with the two organizers of the CTA project. Bonnie Organski, Joanne Peralta. So you guys are heading this whole thing up here this morning. How do you think it's going for your students right now? I think it's great. All the ones I've talked to are so happy. Um, they said it wasn't as bad as they thought it was going to be, and now it's done. Ms. Peralta? From what we've seen so far in the hall, the kids are dressed professionally. They're excited. They've stopped in to tell us about the results after they've presented, and they all seem excited. Do you think that the students were prepared leading up to this place? Because a lot of them I talk to and they're a little nervous before they stand in front of two teachers. So um, what, what have you done to help them prepare for that? Yeah, I, I always tease them and I say go home, practice, practice, practice. Because by practicing your presentation, you'll be comfortable with it and you won't be as nervous. 
practice in front of the mirror, the dog, your little brother or sister, mom or dad, or... uh, I don't know, the TV. I said, you know, talk to Dr. Phil. (laughs) Right, and we've told him that our staff here is so rooting for them. Everyone here is awesome. They want the students to do well. So they're all, all the teachers are rooting for them and don't be nervous. Great. Thank you so much for your time. Hi, my name is Kayla Mulhern. And you just got done your grad project presentation for CTA. How did it go? Um, I thought it went well. Were, were you nervous before you stepped into the room? Very nervous. And, and why were you nervous? Because I didn't know what to expect and if I would meet the time limit. And, and did you meet the time limit? Yes, I did. Good. And, and you think you feel pretty confident walking out of the room right now? Very confident. Excellent. Good. So now what will you do with your time until school starts? Go home and get changed. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, drive safe. and See you later. Thank you. Hi, my name is Mrs. Tassie. And you're right now grading CTA projects. How's it going so far? It's going really well. I feel like I have learned a lot about the students and their career interests. Hi, my name is Riley Gale. And Riley, I know you don't have any idea about the Spartan life, but now you'll listen for sure. You're getting ready to go into your grad project right now. What are you doing before you walk in this room? Uh, looking over what I wrote down and so I can try to memorize it when I'm in there. So you want to, you're looking to try to do the best presentation you can in here, is that correct? Yes. Okay, I'm sure you'll do great. Good luck. Thank you. Hi, my name is Ava Ascalise. And Ava, I talked to you earlier in the hallway, and you're still sitting out here waiting to go in. How nerve-wracking is that making you feel right now? <laughs> Pretty nervous. <laughs> yeah, why, why, why do you think that is? I don't know. I think the kids before me were going slow, so that might have added time. You still, you're, so what are you doing right now to help you prepare for going into the room for your CTA presentation? I'm trying to go through my slides, but I think that's making me more nervous. Okay, so put that down and just take deep breaths, okay? <laughs> Thank you. Okay, good luck. Hi, my name is Dustin Galupi. I'm a sophomore, and I just finished my CTA presentation. And Dustin, how did it go for you? Uh, it went well. It was a little long, and they did admit that, but they said I, was, I made good eye contact and that I was loud and vocal, and I was actually pretty entertaining and funny. So, Did you enjoy doing this project? Not really, no. <laughs> I'm not a presenter, but it was. I guess it was worth it because then I got a little bit of presenting under my belt. Now, what will you do from now until the start of school? Um... I I don't know. Video games, maybe. (laughs) Excellent. Vegging out. Good. Enjoy your rest. Yeah, you too. Like Mr. Halp said at the end of the Festivus episode, it is weird doing this without a partner. But a segment like that one really makes it feel like he's been here the whole time. So, Mr. Halp, if you're listening, that was some ace reporting, buddy. Oh, and for anybody who's wondering, Ava Askeley's still waiting in the hall to go into her presentation. It's been a while, so if you see her, don't approach her. She's gotten pretty edgy. As for Mr. Halp, he's a man of many talents. One talent I'll bet you didn't know he possessed, he's an Eagle Scout. So we thought it would be kind of interesting if we got a couple of Eagle Scouts from the student body and had them sit down and compare their experience with scouting to Mr. Halp's experience from many years back. So we invited in seniors Chris Fay and Mason Wetterow, and the three of them explained to me what it takes to become an Eagle Scout, how high an honor it is, and what life looks like after it's been achieved. Lean in close, turn the volume up on this one, you're going to like what you hear. Scout's honor. Woo! 
first interview in a while. First one since the break. A little hard getting back into the swing of things. Yes, sir. We are talking with Chris Fay. Hello. And Mason Wetterow. Hello, everyone. Two seniors who are Eagle Scouts. So when I was starting since first grade, I was in the Cub Scouts and then followed up into the Boy Scouts when I was in high school, like any young man does. I actually did earn my Eagle Scout as well. So it's, it's really a privilege to talk to these two gentlemen here today uh, to hear what the scouting experience is like for them now as opposed to what it was like for me and I was years ago. Right? We, <laughs> we could beat that out. Or, you know. Anyways. Uh, gentlemen, so I'd, I'd like you all to start off. Uh, first of all, give me your background in scouting. Uh, when did you start scouts? Um, were you in it as long as I was? Um, and, and tell us a little bit what that's like for you and has been like for you. Uh, so I started back in third grade, uh, and I've been in up until uh, aging out, which was this December when I turned 18. Uh, and Chris? Chris um, I started out when I was about six as a Tiger Cub. Uh, worked my way through Cub Scouts, uh, got my Arrow Light, then moved on to Boy Scouts, um, got my Eagle Scout uh, last year, um, and then, uh, yeah. So so, um, so, what troop are you guys in, and where are your meetings held? Uh, so I'm with Troop 191, and that's out in uh, Freedens, uh, Freedens Church, by, uh, the prominent. Mason? Uh, I'm with Troop 334, and we meet at Chestnut Hill Church. Okay. And uh, Chris, you said you just got your Eagle Scout this past fall, is that correct? May. May, in May. Okay. And Mason, you said you aged out in December, so when did you actually achieve your Eagle Scout? I got Eagle Scout December 18th. Okay. Aged out? Can you guys define that for me? You can age out of Scouts? Yeah, so um, you officially age out of Boy Scouts uh, when you become 18 and you're an adult. There are no man scouts. That's Correct. It. Okay. But the, the idea is, and the, and the way the formatting is, is you're still usually in high school, but you transition to a leadership role, and you become a, a kind of a junior leader in, in the troop um, at that point, once you turn 18. And, and you can continue really indefinitely in that leadership role, but there are different expectations that you have once you do age out of scouting. Uh, very few scouts make it that far. Uh, we looked it up. Only 4% of all scouts achieve the rank of Eagle Scout. That's low. <laughs> um, why do you think that is? And what separated either of you from the pack that enabled you to be part of the 4%? Um, so one thing I think is pretty popular with a lot of troops is um, as we get older, we want to participate more in sports and other school-related activities. And as we get older, they take more time away. So uh, I know with my troop, uh, some people would drop out because of sports, and they won't have time to be with the troop anymore. And Mason, uh, does that mean you played sports but still made the time for scouting, or you just were all in on scouting and didn't play any sports? Uh, I was very active in scouting. Uh, I didn't really play much sports at all. So that made it easier for you to continue to be a scout. What about you, Chris? Um, I know at least for me, like, my troop is very, like, I guess eagle-oriented, where they want to try to... Like, they don't force you to become an eagle scout. It's not like you have to, but they definitely, compared to some... I know some other um, troops are kind of, like, the fun, and if you want to kind of go along the ranks, you can, but mine has, like, they have a very structured first-year program, um, and then they kind of move up through that they have more of, like, a structured class, I guess. Then. That's really interesting. Did you pick that particular troop for that reason, or it just happened to work out that way? Um... I, so I was in Pack 333 and Cub Scouts, and a lot of packs have like a brother or sister troop that they're kind of associated with. So my 
uh, PAC 333 happened just to be associated with 191. So that's kind of why I went, and a lot of my friends were going there as well. Okay. Um, so then after you, oh, as part of achieving the Eagle Scout rank, one of the big things that you gentlemen have to do is you have to plan a service project. And um, you have to, you know, do everything. Uh, you have to get the man hours in. You have to tell what the plan's going to be. And that's a very big undertaking. Um, can you guys tell us a little bit about what your service project was and maybe some of the planning that went in to make that possible? Uh, so my project was a 43-foot by 5-foot brick pathway at my church. Um, and it was connecting a driveway to a fire pit uh, where the church members hold their meetings. So it's wheelchair accessible uh, for the disabled members of the church. And as far as planning went, um, it took a lot of hours uh, after school on the weekends, a lot of approvals too, uh, because you have steps you have to follow through. You have your project proposal, which has to get approved before you do anything with it. Then you need to make a plan describing everything you do who's going to be involved, um, you know, if you're going to get food, drinks, when are you planning to start and finish. That needs to get approved by your troop. And then once that's approved, you can finally begin working on your project. Okay, good. Mason, Chris? Um, I don't know if any of you are familiar with uh, Coopersburg Town Hall, uh, with Coopersburg at all, but they had uh, an orphanage, um, and in that orphanage was a chapel. Uh, with stained glass windows, and they since tore the orphanage down and built a, uh, built an apartment complex there. So I took those stained glass windows out of that chapel, or they were already taken out. Uh, but with those stained glass windows, I made kind of like a holding case for them um, with lights behind it, so it's like artificially lit up uh, with the stained glass. And they are currently hanging in uh, the town hall of Coopersburg. What kind of expertise did you bring to a project like that, or where did the idea come from? So I, I like history. Um, and one of the uh, parents in our troop is associated with the Coopersburg Historical Society. So I approached her if she had any, um, I guess, any project ideas. And she told me about this one going into it. I, I knew nothing. You had to do woodworking, and I knew nothing about that. Uh, my dad, he's a, he's a woodworker, so I kind of got all my, my experience from him. So, so Chris, yours, your project sounded like it was more of an individual base, more of you completing that and not needing much help from the outside? Um, or So a lot of the planning was, but then I had, a work I had three work details of about 10 scouts each where I actually built the boxes because they are, I built two of them and each set's about nine foot oh, tall. Oh, okay. So a lot bigger than yeah. what I'm picturing. Okay. Is that usually how a service project goes? Like your work crew will be other scouts? <laughs> yes. Oh, I didn't realize that. That's pretty neat. One of the other requirements as far as an Eagle Scout is that you have to earn an additional 21 merit badges. Some of them are required. Some of them are your choice. Um, how many uh, merit badges did you guys actually earn individually, Chris? Uh, so I earned 34. 34, and Mason? 36. So any uh, of those stand out as being, you know, your, your most favorite? You learned a lot. You gained some experience? Um, I would say at least for me it's probably uh, personal management because um, that, that's one that's done over a course of, like, I think it's like six months or so um, where you, you have to be really on top of it and trying to, write everything down, all your expenditures down. And then I also think, I did it at a fairly young age, too. I did it probably, like, eighth, ninth grade. Um, and that before that, I didn't really know anything about finances. And... Um, I'd say my favorite was small boat sailing. I took that this past summer. Uh, and I was with a bunch of uh, close friends, so it was really one of the most memorable of the merit badges I've taken. 
Yeah, I, I mean, you'll find, Mr. Castagnet, that there's a merit badge for just about anything. It Any sounds like it. hobby or yeah. interest that you have, there's, there's one out there that you can earn for that. I obviously was thinking of uh, camping, archery, uh, starting a fire, but uh, personal management is not one I would have realized, nor is it one I would think would stand out as somebody's favorite. So that's really interesting. So you can age out, or you do age out at 18. Only 4% of people get the Eagle Scout. You have the Eagle Scout. You've both aged out. Uh, I age out in March. You'll age out in March. What does it look like after you age out? Um, At least for me, I still attend most of every meeting that I can, and I kind of just kind of help, I guess, help within my patrol and within the troop. Uh, I'm actually planning a camp out right now, um, so I'm still trying to stay as active as I can. Uh, I mean, I aged out in December, so I haven't had much time being away from the troop yet, but I'd have to say uh, it is different. And not meeting once a week with the same people. Um, there are within scouting other opportunities that you have some high adventure camps that are that are out there. I, I think of Philmont, the National Jamboree. Have you guys had any opportunity to attend any of those camp or opportunities? So I went to Philmont in 2016, um, and we did a. I think I think my crew did like a 138 mile hike in about 11 days. That's 138 miles in yep. 11 days. In, in the Mexican in the New Mexico desert, so it's it's pretty mountainous. It's it's cool. That's cool. I've been out there too. That's that's cool. What about you, Mason? Anything like that? Uh, I did not get a chance to do that, but I'm part of a venture crew, and we are planning on doing a sea base. Sea base. What is that? Uh, it's like going on a trip with, on a boat uh, with a crew of people. Um, gentlemen, I, I think it's a great I think it's a great honor that you guys have achieved your Eagle Scout. Um, you will, I promise, look back on that achievement and you will hold that very high um, as you move forward. You will be amazed at the doors that it will open up for you into the future. So don't be afraid to tell everybody that you were involved in the scouting and be proud of that. It's been a pleasure to talk to both of you. All right. Thank you very much. Thank you. Patience, dedication, and hard work. It was an honor to talk to those guys and find out what it's truly like to become an Eagle Scout. Moving right along, you may have noticed in the Festivus episode after that epic interview with Mr. Wild, my God, that guy has lived an extraordinary life, that we kind of just left you hanging. That one just sort of ended without us wrapping it up and saying thank you and have a lovely day, Mr. Wild, and that is because we only gave you half of that interview. We sat down and talked to Mr. Wild for the better part of an hour, and the first half of our conversation dealt with his long and distinguished career in education. The second half focused on what his life has been like since he has retired. And that's the part we're going to feature on this week's episode. So without giving major spoilers, I'm going to say prepare yourselves for the story of a 70-year-old powerlifter who skis in the Alps. I kid you not. So how'd you end up here subbing at Southern Lehigh? Did you always think you wanted to sub after you no, retired? No, 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 no. I was so happy when I retired because we lived in downtown on 13th Street. 37 years, kids are always in my house, you know, I mean, it was like, you know, and so uh, then we had five-bedroom row home, it was beautiful, I mean, chestnut wood and inlaid floors and stained glass, you know, but then it was empty, and like, I hadn't been a third floor in five years, you know, (laughs) and I like change in my life, and then finally we decided we need something new to talk about, so let's buy a little project. So we looked around and we found a real quirky dumb house over here on Taylor Drive, right across from Caracourt. And um, 
And so we bought that, and I was like, it has this deck that looks out over the valley and the sails. It's up on the hill. I burnt, I threw my bag away and my I, ties. I heard you burned all your ties. I threw my ties. I threw them away. I, I gave. I threw my ties away, and I, I had this great Lands End bag. I threw it in the trash, and it was great. And then September came, and I'm like, they're all going to school, and I'm not, you know. I've always wondered about that. Like, I think that's going to be the moment, right? The first year that I don't have to go back to school. And then I'm like, November. (laughs) 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 Okay, and I have hobbies, you know. I design and build furniture, and I ski, and I lift, and I I read, and I paint, and... you know, I have things to do. So you can fill your day, no but problem. But what the deal is, when you're working, your sweet repose is your hubby. But when that's, this is gone, now you fill the day with that, and then it turns into these things merely become, and I called them my superficial pursuits to get me to bedtime. My super my superficial pursuits to get me to bedtime. That's beautiful. That should be the name of a band. Or yeah, a poem yeah. Right and so it's like you know, it, it, they get a little hollow, and uh, it's not quite enough. You know, especially like what happened to is with Alan. I was well, you know, from your wife telling you, like I bled blue yellow. So you cut that off. Now your successes, your challenges, yeah. your identity, your social life. And so then I crashed, and I just crashed. And so I, I couldn't do it, you know. I was like, I need to do something. And I knew that Chris was here, and we were buddies. So I called her, and I said, you need a sub. I need something to do. And she said, oh, my God. That Holly kid wanted to go over to the middle school. And so I came in there. And I stood in front of that class at 121 the first day in front of those ninth graders, and I was like, Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay. Oh, yeah. Sigh of relief. Here we go, boys. Here we go, kids. You were, and they were, they responded because they were starved children for something to do. Yeah. And they responded. It was really nice. Well, obviously, we're all really glad to have you and lucky to have you. Absolutely. Uh, and you seem really happy to be back in the classroom. But on any level, do you feel like there's something wrong with that? This idea that, you know, when you're like 17, the worst news you get is you got to go to work full time. And then over the course of 35, 40 years, it's like society rewires your brain so you can't live without it. I don't care about that. <laughs> so I was, I have these friends that are my age, of course, you know, and uh, they have the, a cabin on the lake of Promised Land. And, and you know, when you know from your parents, like they'll tell you the same story, same time, oh, you know, 42 yeah. times, right? So I'm up at the cabin. He goes... He's telling a story that he had told like 19 times, you know, that I had heard. And I had happened to have, this is crazy, I had a class of 38 honors students in the class. And I had 37 chairs in room 409A. And I, they were great. And it was a Friday and they were awesome in class. So the stuff we were doing, oh my God, I'm, I was so proud and happy. And then I was sitting up there at the, at the lake and I was like, there must be something wrong with me, I'm thinking, because I had more fun in my classroom oh, yeah. than I am at the lake with my friends. So yeah, isn't that sick? That is a sad commentary on, on what a loser I am. I, I don't think so. No. I think it's, it's a testament to what we do and the connections we make and oh how God. powerful those things are. It's the best. Yeah. And, you know, when I, when I thought it, I was done, I thought all those great experiences were, are behind me. But I taught senior English over there in 27, that whole year into the yearbook. And I had Ray Durkin and Nina Demu and, you know, Esther Erfurt and Zach. And, oh, my God, it was 
Incredible. And before the, the Triumph thing, well, at one time, there were, when I was department chair, there were 24 English teachers. And there was Patton, Average, Bowsher, Max, and O'Keefe. Five of the English teachers were my students out of 24. In the, in the English department. You were now five English teachers in my department who were my kids. And, That's and, I, good. and I, I was in a situation where I actually got to teach with the person who inspired me to become a teacher. So I'm sure that that was very rewarding. Yeah, the other way around. Yeah, to see, yeah. you know, I'm like Basher every day of my life. You know? <laughs> yeah. Um, what about some of your connections here? I know Mr. Steiner was a student of yours, Mr. Steiner, Steiner in ninth grade in uh, theater arts. <laughs> wow, that's a story. He was, Not really. He was we very shy. He, he, he got into the powerlifting, you know, and then he, he, he was in SGA too, and also there was a contest at Beck's Tree Farm of a Yule log pole, and so I said, you win a Christmas tree for your school, so I said, we're going to win that. So I got these football players. Eric Miller over at the mill school. I don't know if you know him. Eric and some others and, and Steiner or whatever. And we go. I said, Steiner, you're in the front because there were like five ropes on this log. And we're front one. I said, going to whip. Go. <laughs> so there we got up there and there were these Parkland farm boys in their boots and their car, car, you know. And my kids are like, oh, it's right. They're big. They look farm strong. Farm strong. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Different kind of strong. And I said, no, no. We got Steiner. <laughs> 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 Worry about this. <laughs> Did you win? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. So you know there are people here. You know, that, yeah. What has your best subbing experience at Southern Lehigh been? If it was like not a whole course, but like a single moment, you might say. Well, I love to you know I design and build furniture, and and aesthetics is so important to me. And when I got, she asked me to do FCS, you know. And when I was in that, there were five, four or five courses, and one was called housing and interiors. And I was like, oh, I do housing and interiors. So she came by, Chris did, and I said, this was my first day in housing and interiors, the first day in FCS. I said, if I were teaching geology, and I live, we live near the Grand Canyon, I would be a fool not to take my kids at Grand Canyon. She said, yeah, right. I said, well, I'm teaching housing and interiors, and we're only hours away from Frank Lloyd Wright's Falling Water. I said, I want to take my kids to Falling Water, because I knew it closed for the winter, and this was October. And that was a Tuesday, and we went on Monday. <laughs> she pushed it through, and because they were going to close, I called. We didn't have a bus. She got me a bus. Doot, 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 doot. Colelli went along. The older DeMars boy, he wasn't my student, but he was the architecture guy. And when I came back on that bus, um, what's Bonanno? Olivia Bonanno? Yeah, remember her. Yeah. She was like, her mind, <laughs> she's like, <gasps> I think so much of it, though, is the way you articulate yourself. Like that analogy, you set it up with, if I taught geology and we were walking distance from the Grand Canyon, I would take my kids, right? Of course. Well, then we got to take them to Falling Water. And you're like that with everybody. Like, I've never had a conversation with you where I felt like this guy doesn't know what he's talking about. Or even when you come to me and ask questions when you don't know what you're talking about. Like, Joe, how do I use Sapphire? What do I do? I always feel like you're completely in control. Um, where, where does that just, that just natural delivery, that know-how, that, that understanding of people and communication... Is that your personality? Is that from having been a teacher for so long? Is that from having been a department head? Is that teaching English for so long? Where do you think it comes from? Well, I, I, I don't think it's an or, is it this or that or this or that. You know, I think it's, it's definitely a composite of all that, you know. 
Um, I don't know. I really don't. I, my mother's side of the family, they're very gentle, artistic, very like a Slovak family of 13, and all the 13 of her, like 12 siblings, a lot of kids, a lot of interaction with big families growing up, you know, and it was a lot of listening and knowing what's going on in the room. And so uh, I think that tempered me to be like that in a way, you know, and um, I just like people, you know. Yeah. And so it fascinates me to make somebody happy. Uh, well, you, uh, you said earlier that when you retired, there were certain truths that you had believed that you suddenly had to rethink. Yeah. Do you feel you're at a place in your life where you are calm and confident that you figured a few things out? Um, yeah. Not, but I didn't figure everything out. In 2011, I was teaching over in 127, and that was the the height of this crash I had. And um, when I build a piece of furniture for somebody, I always, without, if they ask me, and I, very infrequently does anyone ask me, but I would carve something in a little out-of-the-way spot that represents that person, and I'll tell them. And so I designed these French doors for my bathroom, and they were really, to me, they, well, if you design it, you'd like it, so, or you, you know. So I loved them, and, um, and then I finished one and they're for me. I have cars on for me. And I always wanted a tattoo. And um, my, I designed tattoos for my other family members. They all had them, and I couldn't decide on a tattoo for all these years, for a long time. And then I was like, well, I just felt like I got hit with the tsunami of emotional crap. And, um, and so uh, I designed a tsunami wave with simple three lines. I am infatuated with graphically with what three lines can do. A lot of pieces of mine have three lines. And so I, um, I drew them, and I carved it into the door, at the bottom of the door. And I put it at a sight line where, like, if I lie in bed, I look out the door of the bedroom to the bathroom door, and I see those three lines. That's where it is. And so it was reminding me. Then I was like, that's my tattoo. And that's the tattoo that's you have on your tattoo. arm? And then what happened was my grandson is 21, and he said, "Will you design a tattoo for me?" And I we talked about it, Colin, and you know, da 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 da, and he, and he just couldn't, you know, he just couldn't decide anything. Then finally he came to me. This was in June, I think, maybe or uh, no, a little before that, Jan last January, I think. And he goes, "I want your tattoo." Anyway, yeah, there's no tsunami of emotional crap. That's it. Uh, well, he, his, my daughter and her husband divorced, and Cullen lived in Quakertown, and they, uh, he was a wrestler at Quakertown, and so he, he, they, he didn't have a place to work out one summer after tenth, and I was going to Planet Fitness, and we went together there all the time, and bonded there, and, and so, then he said, no one's been more important, so. Okay, so you've alluded to some of the various hobbies that uh, you've gotten involved with uh, before you retired 
and then you really indulged after you retired. I, I was going to ask about the, the power lift. That's the one I want. I've, I've heard, heard your stories because, you know, I like to do physical stuff as well, so we've talked about it, but I think it would be very surprising for the students to hear. You are a seven-year-old power lifter. Well, yeah, but that's because it's easy because nobody other, no other seven-year-olds are stupid enough to do this. <laughs> so you don't have to lift a lot to look real good. So it's good. like you and like three other guys, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Other idiots. Here. How'd you get into it? I fell skiing and I ripped my left arm up over my head and tore my rotator cuff. And then I thought, if I want to stay as stay skiing, I better put on a little muscle so if I fall, I don't get hurt. You know what I mean? And sure, I yeah. Better. So then I went back in the gym and I started to work out. And then I go up there and I'm on the bench, you know, and I'm like, 100, you know. 125, 135, 145. And then I got 185, and I was like, it's going pretty well, you know. You know like, I only weigh 160 pounds. So I'm like, I got 185. And then it was like, 195, you know, I'm up there. So I'm thinking, that's pretty cool. And then there was the Keystone State Games. You know what that is? Uh, not specifically. Keystone no. State Games are amateur games every summer. They're held usually out in York, PA. And there's everything, there's judo, there's archery, there's basketball, there's wrestling, there's field hockey, every sport there is, amateur sports, and they have weightlifting, and I thought, I'm going to go in this weightlifting thing, you know, and see what it, you know, what it is. So I did, I went out there, and I told Eric, and I I said, you know, can you get me ready, because I don't know the rules or anything like that. So Eric and I went up to Parkland High School, and, and where he trains, you know, and then I learned about what's going to happen when in the an event, you know, because it's, it's tricky. And then uh, I did that, and I was fine. He said, well, what are you going to do now? And I said, what am I going to do next? Well, he said, go into a real meet, because that's not a sanctioned meet. You know, there's USAPL, the USA Powerlifting Association. And he said, you could, they have actual you know, competitions. And I, he told me about that. Then there was going to be a state championship meet in New Hope, and that was in 2016. And so he said, go in there, you know? And so, you know, it was like dopey, you know, I don't know what I'm doing. And, and, uh, and so there was nobody else in my age or weight, you know what I mean? So whatever I lift, that was gonna be first place in the state. You know, <laughs> state champ, I could have done 20 pounds, you know? And so well, the experience was great. It was really fun and the collegiate, the, the guys are all great, the lifters, and I had a fun experience with illegal underwear. And, <laughs> and a, on the woman, a judge with a clipboard and a blazer, you know, it's very official. Sure. I go to lift it, she goes, wait. And a little bit of my underwear is sticking out of my singlet and she goes, your underwear is illegal. And I said, you're the first woman to ever say that. <laughs> so she goes, you're gonna do something about it? And I was like, you're gonna do something about it? So, I had to go take my underwear off and go Geronimo out there. Uh, you mentioned skiing. You don't just like, you know, go to Camelback in the Poconos or Blue Mountain. So where have you been skiing? There's two places that are big for, for me and my family. We go, and old friends from Allen. We rent a house up near, um, in the Adirondacks near Gore Mountain. Gore Mountain is a huge ski area in New York State. And then, uh, and that's a great ski weekend. And then every other year, my daughter, Heather Cullen's mom, and uh, she's our middle daughter, and my son-in-law, Dave, who's married to Holly, my youngest daughter, she, he's, a, he's the best skier in the world. I mean, he should be a pro. 
And the three of us go to France. We go to Maribel, France, the biggest ski resort in the world. We've been there in 2012, 14, 16, 18. We're going in 20 again. Wow. That's the Alps. A week in the French Alps. In the Alps. That's, That's cool. amazing. All right. Um, I think the final thing I want to ask you is, you know, all your years as an educator, you were a father of four. How many grandchildren do you have? Ten. Ten grandchildren. Uh, how long have you been married to your wife? 52 years. 52 years you've been married. Give us some advice. What advice would you have for an incoming high school freshman? Connect to the school. Connect to the school. How about a graduating senior? Prepare, but don't have a locked-in plan. Okay. How about a young teacher or maybe not somebody who's young per se, but somebody who's new to the profession? become an expert. How about an experienced teacher? So what advice would you have for Mr. Howe for myself? Change what you're doing every six years. And how about parents? Don't help your kids with homework. <laughs> that is all we have for you, Mr. Wild, though. I'd like to come up with 10 more questions and talk to you for another hour because it was really something else. Thank you so much for joining us. You bet. So that's a guy who truly lives life. So those of you who are young enough with enough free time who really want to grab the bull by the horns, that's how you take advantage of the time at your disposal. Or even the teachers among us who have been doing this for a few years, you're looking ahead to retirement. Retirement doesn't mean you pack up your school bags and you sit on the front porch in a rocking chair, sipping lemonade, wrapped in a blanket, talking about way back when. No, there's still plenty of life to be lived. He's an inspiring guy. So... I guess that's about it. I'll start wrapping things up wait, here. Oh, my wait, God. Wait, Mr. Howe? here. I finally made it. I've been looking at textbooks all afternoon, Mr. Castagna. It has oh. been absolutely grueling, but full of a lot of problems. That sounds tough. Math problems? Math problems. I like what you yeah, did yeah, there. You that's good. That sounds like a rough morning. Um, I ate a poke bowl. Pokemon? Yeah, sure, if okay, that helps you. Yeah, yeah sure. so we can close this one out together. Wow. Dude, you missed the whole episode, but trust me, you were a huge part of it. I would say the heart and soul of this episode. Wow, that'll be a first. Yes, your help on the street segment was a real winner, <laughs> like I think. Yeah, 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 I thought that was really I great. I'm glad I could help you out with things. Well, I'm so glad I don't have to close this episode out by myself. Mr. Hop, what do you want to tell our audience? Hey, don't forget to follow us on all our social media accounts on Instagram, on Twitter, at SL Spartan Life. And if you have an answer to the trivia question, come on down to 123 or send us an email, slspartanlife at slsd.org. Again, the question is, all of Mr. Hershey's lines in our previous episode were taken from a 1985 film. From what 1985 film did we get those lines? You, you did the trivia without me? I'm sorry, man. The well, show must go on. I guess we'll see you all next time. All right, peace out. Now that you guys are turning, again, we don't have to include this either. Um, the we know these are all going to be <coughs> 30 outtakes. It's great. Mr. <laughs> I gave my parents a medal. <laughs> <laughs> the boys are here or else I'd use some colorful language. Um,